Indigenous Truth is a space to connect with Indigenous people who are here to share the stories of their lives, history, and spirituality. Hi, I'm Tori Vela. And I'm Sarah Glass. It's time we learn the truth. Today we are with Don Manuelito. Yat a she Don Manuelito yinishia. Dagote. She Domenolito Gonse. And I just introduced myself as who I am, both in my Apache culture and my Navajo culture. I am half San Carlos Apache from my mother's side, born for Navajo Diné from my dad's side. Uh, that's how we culturally introduce ourselves respectfully anytime we come to meet new people, we come to regroup with our, reconnect with our families. Um, that's who we are and that's what we're called. And so that's how we, what, that's how we present ourselves. So I am from these two tribes and they're both in Arizona. So much about us here that I'm honored to share with you guys. So you ladies, I appreciate you um, giving me the opportunity to share our stories and share a little bit about who we are as Native and Indigenous people from Arizona. Thank you. Thank you for being on. It's thank you so much for joining us, Don, and um, and teaching us already. That's that's really amazing. Thank you. You're welcome, ladies. Um, so my tribe from the San Carlos Apache tribe is actually located in kind of central Arizona, but more east towards the New Mexico border. Okay. So you're, we're in the Phoenix area right now. So if you go east towards Superior, travel the 60 towards Superior and Globe, Arizona, we're just past that. Um, the San Carlos Apache Reservation is just past that east of there. So that's one location of where I can describe where we're, where my people are from. And then the Navajo Nation is obviously... Some people know it as the Four Corners area of um, Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado, and Utah. And so that's the area of my Navajo descent. And that's where we're located here in Arizona. How your people were affected by colonialism. Well, uh, let me give you a little bit of history and story about who I am and my lineage I carry my Manuelito name with honor and respect because I am sixth generation to Chief Manuelito. And he was one of the original treaty signers of our Diné Navajo people. And so history has, has greatly impacted and affected our people, both Diné and San Carlos Apache. I'm also in that lineage question it but down in that lineage my grandfather was also a Navajo code talker one of the original 29 code talkers of World War II and I don't know if anybody uh, if you know the history 
of World War II. At that time, um, we were pretty much losing the war. And at that time, um, we, our, our Navajo code talkers developed a code to, to be able to um, penetrate enemy lines and be able to eventually win the war. So I come from this lineage of Chief Manuelito being one of, being one of the treaty signers for our Diné people, and his, his, his belief in our people was to get educated, um, because when colonialism came to America and they came towards the Southwest area and our homelands, and it was taken from us. Um, we were we were forced because we were outnumbered. We were forced to leave our homelands so that colonialism can expand and build on it. Okay, mm-hmm. the people came out this way to expand and build, and that's not just the Diné Navajo people, our San Carlos Apache people, all the way from from the we call it Turtle Island. This whole North America down into um, uh, Mexico, Central America, you know, that this is all called Turtle Island and up into Canada area. So we have all these First Nations. So across the board, there's 574 federally recognized tribes here in the United States. But you also have Native and Indigenous people to the North in Canada and to the South in Mexico and, and, and Central America as well, right? So when we talk about colonialism, we've all been invaded. Yeah. For our people, my, my ancestor, my lineage, Chief Manuelito, um, when, they, when colonialism came in and they took us, they took our people and made us walk. They didn't, they didn't provide buses and wagons and say, get in the wagon, we're going to take you to this other location. They literally made our people walk from our homelands to some other area where we, it was, yeah, we migrated and we, we kind of traveled, you know, cause that's what we do um, back in, in, in culture is we, you would migrate to the seasons and to the food source and our creation stories tie us back to our lands and our way of life. And so when you're removed from that, because colonialism wants to expand and build on our lands, and we're going at war with them. And I don't know if you understand the Indian wars that happened. Well, textbook isn't like textbook. It's not always right. the truth. It wasn't this pretty sight of Thanksgiving. You know, these things are not the truth for our people. Our people faced genocide, um, hardships like we couldn't believe. And so we were forced to move and and the and and do this long walk elders kids um men and women um people were dying along this walk and then when treaties were settled so we could go home after months year then it was okay now you can go back home we didn't get bussed back home we didn't get wagoned back home our people had to walk back home. 
in the conditions that were in place, whether it was in the in the winter or the heat. Right. We had to walk back home. So so that right there, hopefully you can picture an understanding of the effects of colonialism on our people. Yeah. And you mentioned the the treaties are signed and you you your people were allowed to go back. Um, can you tell me? I mean, you did tell me, but <laughs> tell everyone else about all of the treaties that were put in place and how many of those still have been upheld? Well, there's been many um, that were in place by um, the different tribes, but many have been broken, very few. And I, and I, I have to be honest, I don't know the exact number of treaties that are actually in place yeah. still to this day, other than we still have our homelands. Right. Okay. Um, that's one of them. We still have some sort of health care, which I, we've, we've talked about this to extent of what, what does that health care look like, which mm-hmm. is very minimal health care. Right. Um, so there's different treaties. Um, like I said, have all been most and majority of them have been broken and they were broken. They weren't replaced either. Usually in the federal government, as we see it today, you, you, you pass a bill and then they change it and amend it. Right. But it's right. still, the, it's still there. Right. Well, treaties were broken and just broken. So it's like a broken promise. Right. And we've just over, over the time that we've been here, we've just had to adapt and change, but still be able to live among this world and our world as native and indigenous people, because we still have our cultures, we still have our ceremonies, we still have our, our way of living back home and on the reservations. But we also have to take that with us out here to the surrounding areas, whether it's a city, a town, another place where we choose to go to school or work because work is very minimal uh, on the reservations. So when we talk about the treaties, they there's not very many still in place and that's been a fight since the beginning of colonialism here right um and i wanted to see if you could tell us more about you mentioned walking between two worlds how does that look for you going to um, the Navajo reservation with your family to the Apache reservation with your family and then just being in the, I don't know what you call <laughs> the white world. That's what I call it. But Okay. Okay. Um, and, and, and that's basically what it, what it's like um, for myself being of two different tribal affiliations and then having to choosing, not having, now we have a choice, choosing to live among um, white society. Okay. And society in general. Okay. So what does that look like? Well, I was born and raised on the Navajo nation. That's my home. Um, I'm an enrolled member with the San Carlos Apache tribe because that's who my mom is. 
I mean, I'm not enrolled there. I'm enrolled with the Navajo Nation because I was born and raised there. That's my dad. But I am San Carlos and Apache because that's who my mom is. So my enrollment and a number that the government said we have to have, a census number, says I'm Navajo. And then, but my mom, how we look at it is that we're still we're primarily Apache because that's who our mother is. So whoever your mother is, that's who you are. Oh, but you're born for a, a Navajo um, over here. So when you look at that, I was born and raised, um, and my mom, you know, raised us as as our as my siblings, and lived with my father. They were married and and lived on the Navajo Nation for years, but then. So we grew up knowing those cultures and the traditions and the ceremonies and, and the, and the stories, our creation stories. Um, that's just something that that's a way of life. That's what our grandparents te- teach us as grandkids. That's what they instill in us and what, what we learn from the land, which is mother earth and how sacred that is and understanding um, our creator and God and who, who that is in our lives and it being a way of life through our culture, through our ceremonies, through our, our, our stories and understanding that. But also because my mom is from another tribe, we would go back and forth and visit. And I would learn from my grandparents on that side, because understand that in, in, in native, in Indian country and native Americans and indigenous people, we are Native Americans, but we're of different tribes. It doesn't mean that we're, we know we have the same creation stories. We have this, we even have different languages. So it doesn't mean that we're all the same and we all live in the same houses and we all live the same creation stories and ceremonies because we have different ceremonies. So I would go home to my other home on my mom's side in, in San Carlos and learn our Apache ways and growing up and, and understanding those ways of life, especially for a a young woman, a young girl, there's certain things in my life that I have to learn and prepare for as we go through and start to become, you know, uh, young adults and into adulthood. So these things are being taught. So you automatically I'm learning to transition, but also when my age we are now having a school system, uh, you know, on the reservation. So understanding, okay, now we have school, public education on this, in our, in our reservation, we go to school. So that's also a way of um, colonialism and colonism and, and white society, the, the influence of educating, but being mindful of our chief Manuelito is to get that education to be just as smart and if not smarter and go out, get that education and bring it back to your people to help educate and help others be better at educating ourselves. Right. And sharing that education because that builds that strength. So they won't always be able, the government and um, white society won't that you can't take that from somebody. You can't take our culture or anything like that. So, learning all of this now my grandfather being a Navajo code talker it's funny because that same education system that he went through through the boarding schools 
was a whole nother lesson because the very language that saved this country's ass was the same language that was that they tried to beat out of him in boarding schools. And these boarding schools were made to to civilize us savages. That's what it was made. That's what that was designed. Kill the Indian, but civilize the man. Is I think that's the saying that was implemented back then. So that education system over time, you know, we 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 learn to adapt to it. Um, it it's not like that anymore. It, it, you know, when I was growing up, it's it was just a public school system. But those are the ways of having to learn to adapt as a Native American girl growing up on the reservations. Then um, about fifth grade to sixth grade, I know I was 12 years old. Um, I, my mom got a job opportunity to work for, she worked for our, our Navajo Nation um, administration uh, for the, our Navajo government. And then she got a job. She got an opportunity to go back home to her San Carlos home. And so we moved and we, she worked for the San Carlos Apache uh, administration there. And so we moved. So I was blessed to be able to be raised on both, both reservations and to be able to learn both of my cultures. But that's just the way of life. That's the way we're raised. And so at that time, there's ceremonies that take place as a young girl coming of age. It's called a sunrise dance ceremony. And that's her coming into this world, changing from a young girl to now a young lady. And so in that time frame, I'm able to learn both ways, but also get the education in the public school system. So when I do come off as an older adult later, a young adult, and I, um, I come off the reservation and my dad decides to come down to the Phoenix metropolitan area to go back to school, I come with him. I also had the opportunity to live in Washington, D.C. and experience that life and outside away from home far away from home mm-hmm. and experience, oh my that, gosh. experience that life um my sophomore year of my of high school years I got to go back to Washington DC and go to school there and talk about like feeling overwhelmed um I I know I was the only Native American at Winston Churchill High School back in that time frame in 1989 mm-hmm. and um but but I didn't feel like a minority because there was so many other foreigners um, and I say foreigners because they were from different countries yeah. and the, the students and kids that were my friends, their parents, because it was the DC area was in Potomac, Maryland. They're, they're coming from their culture too, because their parents were in, um, like ambassadors working for the embassy in the United States from their countries. So it, it, it was still a cultural connection because, yeah, I, I was singled. I was, I was by myself and alone out there, but I wasn't because they had their culture because they were away from their home too, right? Further than right. my home. So that was okay. And that was an experience in itself. But then when I came down to the Phoenix area to live and, and go to finish out my high school years here, that um, influence and that started a bigger influence of white society and the outside society off the reservation 
um, and, and trying to, to make sure I don't lose connection of who I am as a native indigenous young lady, but yet you can get pretty consumed in that influence of, of society off the reservation. And so the, it, it was a challenge, but it's just kind of something we adapt to do. Because no matter what, whether I'm on the reservation or not, I'm always going to be native. I'm always going to be Apache and Navajo. Right. So that that's always going to be who I am. We, we, were, we were taught never to forget who we are or where we come from. And all of our teachings that come with us, that's who we are. So to be able to live off the reservation, I feel like I'm more empowered because I know who I am and I can live on the reservation and I can live off the reservation. Right. I can live in three different worlds. So it's, it's that type of adaptation to understand how we as native and indigenous people live every day. Wow. Yeah. It's a lot to even process and think about you you can't even comprehend the amount of um, it's an everyday all the time. Your culture is all about connection with the planet, with the earth, with the sun, with everything, everything is connected and everything you do means something. Yes. So it's, it's so strange for me to think of it because we have like traditions and holidays and that are, that have just been set up. And that's pretty much the only connection you have like with family time or things like that. So it's hard to ask what you're like what your favorite thing would be, but is there something that stands out in your mind or your memories of this was my favorite time or this is my favorite tradition or anything like that? Um, we're taught that every day is a blessing of life. So saying we have to pick out one favorite thing is like, yeah, <laughs> I, I can't comprehend that. <laughs> all of it. but Because it's all important all of it. to us. Right. And, and all of it, all you know, so, so mm-hmm. to single something out. But I do, I can say um, that for myself as a Native uh, adult woman now, um, being that I have raised, I, I do have three, three sons and, and I've raised them. You know, I've taken them home to teach them their ways as far as like with their grandpas and their uncles, because men teach the men, the boys there, what they need to be taught as growing up as Native and Indigenous boys growing into men. So I've taught them what I can from that point, but they were primarily raised out here um, off the reservation. We would go back and visit so they could get that, um, that, that knowledge and that teaching, right? But it's Mm -hmm. also what you teach in the home. So no matter where we go, whether we're on a reservation or not on a reservation, we're still on our homelands. Right. When you think about it, just because this is Phoenix doesn't mean that it's not still our homeland. Mother Earth is our homeland. So 
to say that I would say, you know, it, it, everything is a blessing. Everything is a lesson every day. But to say what I'm most thankful for um, outside, God is always going to be my most thankful place in having that relationship with our creator. And that's the thing is, like you say, it's about connection. It's about having, we've always had a relationship with God, our creator. That's who we greet. That's who we talk to every morning, every evening, or any, any time in between that. We've always had that connection, um, that relationship. Now, what's to say my favorite time in my life? I would say my coming of age ceremony on my, on my Apache side. And that would be my sunrise dance because that right there is the essence of who I am and how I've gotten through life, what I was prepared for at that time to prepare me for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. So I would say that that ceremony is what is why I, why I'm where I'm at today and who I am along with all the lessons and experiences through life. I'm not saying that one ceremony right. just did it all for me. I'm just right. saying that's what helped get me through these lessons and experiences of life and right. helped me gain wisdom and knowledge to get me where I'm at now today. So, okay. Yeah. So in saying that, when we think of you had a ceremony um, of a coming of age ceremony, we're thinking like, a quinceanera or a wedding or something like this. Can you go more in depth about the clothes you wore, where they came from, the dances, like every, like, cause everything does mean something. So mm -hmm. your day from like start to finish, like the act, how does that look? Oh goodness. Sarah, we, we, I don't know if we have time for that, but, <laughs> do, but I, I want to get into the depth of, because okay. when you just mention, you know, everything's you're connected and everything is a tradition mm -hmm. in our minds. That's a very small thing. So right. we, we can't even comprehend the amount of connection that mm -hmm. your people have with everything. And so, this, this particular day really is a lot. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. and it's funny because, you know, August uh, 14th, 15th, and 16th of 1986. Shoot, that's how many years ago? Somebody do the math. <laughs> okay. But yeah, around <laughs> 34 years ago. Oh, goodness. Oh, this year. So this year will be 35 years. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because around that time, something significant always takes place. And it's sometimes usually a learning lesson. <laughs> mm -hmm. But during that time um, is a time when, uh, let me take it back to a sunrise dance and a ceremony. What that is, is it's a coming of age ceremony for young girls that have um, are transitioning from being a little girl to a woman, meaning a puberty ceremony. So now she comes from this little girl 
and she's transitioning into this young lady now because now as a little girl, women are, are sacred in our culture, both Navajo and Apache and mm-hmm. any other native culture. Women are sacred. And the reason being mother earth is sacred as well. We are all sacred beings. Don't get me wrong. But what I'm saying is honored and sacred because we give life. Mm-hmm. We give life. Okay. So in, in being that this young lady, this long little girl transitioned through puberty now, she is now a young lady that can give life. Right. So that there, that transition is holy and powerful and and just amazing. And so with that being said, now we have our creation stories of 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 changing woman. And we have, um, you know, the stories of how this ceremony takes place to have this young lady change and go into this womanhood role now. So in, in, in the creation stories, and, and I don't have this accurate, and you might want to have this on your pad, an idea for future podcast is having a story <laughs> by my mom done because she tells it beautifully. And I can, I can sit here and listen to her tell it, and, but yet I'm not sure if I'll be able to reiterate it. For, so yeah. that's what I'm saying. The creation of that story is, is that changing woman, this girl goes into, they put her into this shell, white abalone shell when the floods come from our stories. Okay. The floods come and they put her in here because she is to um, be protected and she's to have all these, you know, like different plants and herbs and roots and, you know, everything so that when the floods subside, as she comes out, she'll be able to provide food and, you know, be able to plant again. So now, now, but the thing is, is when she came out, she is now a young lady. She took that transition into womanhood while she was in there. And so now she can give life. She can rebirth and, and, and provide a life again. Wow. So this ceremony throughout the time, four-day ceremony, two-day ceremony, one day, you know, there's certain ways you can do it. There's um, songs that go along with it. And over a course, I did the, I had the four day ceremony. So over the course of that time, we dance, we, the prayer songs that go with it. We have a, what's called a medicine man that, um, that takes care of the ceremony and the prayers and people that sing with it. A lot of people come out and celebrate this time because it's a time of celebration and you're, you're being prayed for, for the, for the future and the, that this this girl will go on and and be you know bring be be successful be knowledged and gain all this wisdom and experience in good ways but as she's traveling also you know we're going to be faced with those trials and struggles and maybe some little detours here and there that she'll be able to get through those as well so with mm-hmm. that with that and that journey and that traveling and through this time of this four-day ceremony, these prayers, and 
um, you know, the attire is those of, of our different plant sources, animals. We use the deer. Um, my, my dress was full buckskin and dresses of material made by my grandmothers and, um, you know, just a cane that represents um, her travels along the way as well. So all of this dress and the abalone shell she wears on her forehead and the feathers, uh, the eagle feathers that are, you know, that she has in different areas as well, um, carry her through with these different songs, the prayer songs and the ceremony songs throughout the four days and um, providing that endurance as well because August 14th, 15th and 16th in the summer in Arizona. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember that day being, I think they said it was 114 degrees and I was done in, on Saturday afternoon in full buckskin. So yeah. So talk about it really preparing you for endurance and strength physically. <laughs> our young girls coming of age because of what we face and how we have to live in these two different worlds. Cause we take a look at the society away from our culture. Look at how broken that is. Yeah. And even right. in our culture, the influence of that society has, has affected us. Alcoholism, yeah. drugs, um, mental instabilities, you know, financial being financially debilitated, um, health care that is not sufficient. So we need these ceremonies. We need these more than ever and not to lose it and not to lose the understanding of what it's for. So that's why it's so important to me. But I hope I can, I, I answered your question as far as like how, what does that look like? You um, did. I, I really, I think your uncle or your dad or both, like killed oh, the deer that yeah. they made your dress out of. Um, my brother, my uncle, my uncles, my dad, and my grandfather, my dad killed the one that I lay on for one part of the ceremony and dance mm-hmm. on. And my grandfather tanned them right. like, by hand. So nowadays, a lot of the, the like I say, in influence of society outside influences come in because nowadays the buckskins that are worn are commercial are bought commercially mm. they're already prepared mine wasn't I mean you've seen mine so yeah yeah so, so there's certain influences but the the main purpose is to make sure that the the prayers and you know that's still there and that's intact and, yeah. and the understanding and the purpose of all of it Right. I just think it's so beautiful how everyone in your life is involved in making that a celebration of you for four days. Mm-hmm. It's amazing that everyone had a hand in preparing and they were there with you also for the four days. Mm-hmm. And, and that preparation started when I was a baby, though. This preparation, this was going to happen when I was born. Right. Wow. Exactly. So this was, 
like because that was the stuff you know the the stuff that needed to be prepared but don't forget the knowledge and the understanding and the education from my grandmothers all the grandmothers the aunties you know mm-hmm. my mom you know all that in that education and knowledge instilled in harvesting harvesting the 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 berries the nuts um understanding planting uh what herbs and what roots do we use for medicinal purposes all that started when i when when i was born this is what was going to be put in place for me so i had to learn all these as i grew up to this point wow so it's not a situation where here's four days we're going to put you with all these things and you come out it's something that starts the minute the minute you're born mm-hmm. and it's something that's a continuation of of everything it's like a culmination of everything you've learned yeah you just said that yeah wow yes it is so That's it's amazing. not it's it's not like a lot of these other ceremonies where you just oh okay so we're just going to decide to do this no it's something that's been cultivated from like i said from birth wow and 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 that's why you have so many people involved and so many people and it's not just a celebration of me per se it's the right. celebration of the representation of what i said the story right. the creation story the celebration of the continuation. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so when we have young girls going through these ceremonies, we go out and we support and we, we want that, that to stay alive. Right. Mm-hmm. So we take like um, in May coming up, I have a, a niece that's going to be going through her ceremony. And last year we were already preparing um, and getting her, we started harvesting her berries and the pollen for all that. And we, everybody has kind of takes on their little role and comes together and helps out. Wow. Mm -hmm. Cause there's a lot more preparation than just that for it. But all of this preparation for this, the, after the ceremony, the life after that, the life I have lived from then until now, like, you know, like a, a chapter in a book. You have these different chapters along the way and all these experiences add up and, you know, all the, all the knowledge that you've gained along the way with all the lessons that have been in place as well. And that includes the struggles, the trials, the hardships. Mm-hmm. It does, the right. ceremony doesn't say, oh, it's, your life is just going to be easy now. Right. No, right. It, it's to prepare you for life. And how many of us have faced life and life didn't turn out with roses all the time? <laughs> Right. And I've heard that I heard I seen this like um is it a quote or something? I don't know, but it says, you know, life is life is like a rose with thorns. Yes. Yeah. It, it's beautiful, but it also can hurt sometimes. <laughs> <clears throat> you know, and, and you think about it, think about it like it's it's beautiful and it can hurt sometimes with those thorns, but it's also how you handle it. Yes. You either can get cut or you can go, ooh, maybe, you know, maybe I shouldn't make that choice, you know. So those are things, you know, just just different perspectives of how we look at it. And with all that being said, it it it's developed my mind and my spirit to look at my people and look around and see what it is we're facing. And today's 
society, we're all facing, you know, with the pandemic going on, everybody's kind of been facing their own stuff, right? And a lot of that with the pandemic going on and this virus that's taken over and taking lives of my loved ones in my family, that we really had to look at our wellness. And that um, in 2012, I decided to go back to school and pursue my degree in wellness. So over the past eight, nine years, I've been um, getting my education and experience because I've also worked in the wellness field um, uh, and working with our different tribal organizations to promote wellness as a whole. And what does that look like? So that's where my passion comes from is, is like, I know I have a bigger purpose. What does that look like? And this is how to help so many of our native and indigenous people understand wellness and not be so dependent on this, on this Western medicine. Cause our people before Western medicine came, we were surviving. Right. We weren't dying mm-hmm. of food issues of diabetes, heart disease, stroke, or any of that. We lived off of the land. We ate seasonally and we, the lifestyle we lived, because we migrated and and such and we harvested and planted that lifestyle alone made movement right so we didn't have a sedentary lifestyle where we we had the electronics and the tvs and stuff like that and and if you if you go back home to some of the more rural areas of different reservations that lifestyle still in place with some modern um, modifications you know Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that, that lifestyle is still in place in some places. So in my mind, just trying to process everything, <laughs> it, it seems to me that the biggest difference between the two worlds for indigenous people is that indigenous People have a lot more culture, connection. Um, That's more what it's about. And then you have the white world that is about money. I would say education, but it's, yeah, it's commercialized. It's, I mean, I would say education, but there's so much that we've been taught that isn't accurate. Mm-hmm. Like brainwashing than education. It is mm-hmm. a lot more like brainwashing. It's whitewashing, I think. Um, that's what I call it. Um, do you think that's a correct assessment that? Well, you're missing one of the components. Mm-hmm. It's power. Mm-hmm. It's the greed and power yeah, society, society, but the difference between the two worlds. Culturally, we know who we are. We know where we come from. We we walk on it every day. Mm-hmm. We know that. That's why we can. But outside people, unless you come from a world of culture, you can't relate. Mm-hmm. Because where do, like- you, where do you really come from? What is your heritage? Do you know what kind of ceremonies you guys use? 
Do you know what those ceremonies mean? Do you know why you still hold them? Right. We, Walmart tells us what ceremonies to have. <laughs> right. And they're, they're, shoot, those are getting off too. I mean, like we had mm-hmm. Valentine's coming out in, in, in Christmas time. So right. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Um, so that's what I'm saying is like we, we, the difference is, yes, we're very culturally connected. We're connected. We have a relationship with our creator, God, mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, even that influence, religious influence has come onto, into our world. And, and there's nothing, I'm not saying there's right, right or wrong in any of it, but I'm saying that we, we, as indigenous people, we have that connection to our creator, higher power, God, mm-hmm. you know, however you want to address that spiritual connection that you have. Right. It's right. that lost connection to the seasons and, and wanting, you know, if summer is your favorite season, you want it. So you try to create it in the winter. But that's not how it works. Oh, no. Oh, no. Like, I mean, society nowadays wants to create whatever it wants to create and look at what it's done. I mean, it can do that in technology. I mean, technology has just has really warped this world, depending on how you use it, though. A good friend of mine always reminds me there's good and bad medicine. But it's always intended for good. People, people, the choice they have of good or bad is what ruins it. Yes. Look at Mother Earth. Beautiful, beautiful. (laughs) But people are destroying it. Right. I know I think of wellness and we all... Like I always think of, you have to be connected, mind, body, spirit. You have to have a balance. You know, you have to do what you can to keep all of those facets of you that are you in balance. And nowhere do I ever think of money, control, greed, being a part of that. And it's something that we're taught from, that's what we're taught from the time we're born, that that's Mm -hmm. what's important. It's Mm -hmm. a sales job from the time we're born, (laughs) like throughout our lives, that Mm -hmm. you have to, you should get married and you should buy a house and you should go into incredible debt because that's great. (laughs) And credit credit is king. And actually... That is where I think people today are completely lost and the world is going to hell in a handbasket <laughs> because the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> no. People aren't, they're not remembering what is important and right. that connection, I, which is why I wanted to start this this conversation and this um, education for people because we as native and indigenous people, we are all native, but we're not the same. Every tribe has their different teachings their different cultures. They're different in, in ways they're similar, meaning we still 
we still honor our creator we still honor mother earth we still we we have morals and values that are our core essence of who we are um and that's what's important yes family is important for us we live multi-generational and out here in this world it's like okay you're 18 go on and go do your thing Right. And your parents are old, too bad. You can find a place to live. Yeah. Or if your parents are old, you put them in a resting home. Right. And that, that's not the way we're taught. We're family. As a matter of fact, you know, my parents are getting older. It's our place now to take care of them. Mm-hmm. You know, right. you don't just go send them away. But, you know, so it is, it, it, it is a way of life. It's not the rules of life. It's a way of life. This is right. our way. This is what's important to us. Community, people, prayer. That's what's important to us. God, Mother Earth, and everything in it. Our stars have stories. Our sky has stories. The universe. All of it. You know, and though I hope that at some point you guys can get though someone that has that knowledge to be able to tell you some of those stories because they're really, really cool. I mean, we have animal stories, all kinds of stuff when we were growing up. I loved it. Um, That'd be amazing. Yeah, it, it, it's a lot of it, it, it's fun and to understand the different seasons and, you know, it, it was fun growing up. I, I love, you know, I, I wouldn't change it. At all, I would take it <laughs> <laughs> totally. And take it was, it. and it's funny because you know the the public schools they had the you know the teachers and some that were non natives come and live there right to be teachers and to be administrators and principals right. Mm-hmm. So their kids got to grow up on the reservations with us, and mm-hmm. loved it. Absolutely. Right? Like, I mean. You, you, you think about it and they loved it it's 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 the weirdest thing <laughs> like well it's you know, freeing it's, it's freeing to not have those values of greed and power pushed on you all the time but yeah and that I, greed and power is what pushed us to why this world is the way it is now right, right. Exactly. and you know and the thing is the biggest voice we have right now as native and indigenous people is we're still here we're not the yep. black and white google photos yes let's get some updated photos on there we're still here Agreed. we did not go extinct they did no. not get rid of us thank god in spite of their oh efforts. in spite of in spite of the efforts, the moldy, Ugh. rotten food, the blankets filled with diseases that were supposed to kill us all. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, custard massacre. Yep. I mean, all of that. We're still here. Right. So the for us into native, different lands. Yep. And yep. for us to be indigenous native people to still be here and have that resilience and that strength. It's an honor. And so we as native and indigenous people, that's our thankfulness every day. The breath of life. Hojo away. 
you're amazing. And we'll share your links on the podcast as well so that people can find you and keep seeing what you're doing. Thank you so much, Sarah. I do appreciate that. And yeah, it's, and it's funny because, uh, you know, I talk to single native moms all the time and it's just kind of like, we just do it. You just do it. (laughs) I mean, you know, raising three boys, well, two are adult, uh, adult men now. Um, I'm raising my last one, but you know, you raise them, you're going back to school, you're, um, you're, you go back to school, you're working full-time, going to school full-time, you're, you know, it's you're making sure that somehow some days there's food on the table, come back, you know, cook. But that was the other essence is that being raised as a Native Indigenous woman is that your role is always important. You're, you're a mother and you have kids, that's your first priority is raising your kids, providing that nurturing um understanding into your kids and raising them first then school or then work you know um so there's roles for and if there's a man in the the home you know husband or partner that's their role they know what their role is too you know and it's providing that fire to make sure that our home is is something that you provide your family with and so doing that and knowing that as priority was it always priority no I have my journey I have my story and my testimony but mm-hmm. that's in it ultimately rooted in our spirit that's who we are and that's what we're supposed to do so being that going to school full-time jobs um creating wellness programs for a tribe. it has been such a pleasure talking to you Don. thank you for listening follow us on facebook at our indigenous truth Music provided by Tomahawk Bang. To learn more, go to tomahawkbang.com. With each step.